Yo, what's up, ladies? I'm Kyle. I'm a Pisces, and I know what a girl needs. Oh my god! Oh, my god. Am I on the wrong We're... podcast? Oh, you're on the right one, but I see this is going to be one of those days. My god! Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I was I was in my B2K uh, mode right now with the uh, "What a Girl Wants" interlude. I assume you guys don't want to continue with this. No, no. Saint 2002. <laughs> keep your B2K. Oh, <laughs> well, guys, uh, welcome back to the podcast. We are live from the Grilled Chicken Studios. Actually, the one. Grilled Chicken Studios are no more. Uh, we vacated that that space. We moved wow. on up. Now we're in the drum roll, please. Barbecue Chicken Studios. Look at this, Tom. Getting a little bit more flavor in this place. We're we're, we're making progress, people. <laughs> we definitely are. And that will actually explain why we've been gone for so long. Um, Ed's been on the move and Tom's been on the move and I've just been chilling waiting for us to do this next podcast. I know a lot of fans have been asking, but we're finally back. Kyle is here, Tom is here, and Ed is here. What's going on, fellas? What's up? Good to be back. We got a lot of stuff to cover because in our absence, R&B has been wilding out. So somebody's got to put these players in their place. Absolutely. And just to give everyone a quick reader's note, this podcast might go for about four hours. So before I get started, Tom, why don't you take the lead on this one? Since you've been the the guy that changed up our studio and you've done all sorts of crazy things <laughs> while we've been away. You ready for this, Ed? I'm going to put you on the spot. Player, I live on the spot. I want you to rank the six members of New Edition from best to worst. Oh my gosh. This <laughs> is fun. And it's going to get me in so much trouble. Yes, it is. All right. All right. We ready? From, are we doing it from best to worst or worst to best? Best to worst. All right. So, number one, easily, no question, at me if you disagree. It's Johnny Gill. That voice, man. Like, I was never, I was an okay fan of New Edition. Like, I, I liked them, but they were always sort of a teeny bopper band. And even as, like, a kid, it was, eh. Oh, even Young Ed had some maturity to him. So, I was like, eh. But when Johnny came through with those grown man vocals, on a perfect day, oh, that's when the game changed. Johnny is number one. You can fight me if you disagree. I know these Bobby Brown fans are going to fight. So whatever. That's number one. Number two, I will say Ralph. Again, they're going to fight, but who cares? Ralph, is a, he should have had a bigger career than he had. I think he's very underrated in the grand scheme. So we'll go Ralph for two. Then we will go with Bobby, who... For those of you too young to remember the heyday of Bobby Brown... He was the Chris Brown of the 80s and early 90s. So, uh, he has hits. I was never a big fan, but I still respect the music. So, okay for Bobby. But I do think that a lot of y'all have overrated him because y'all looking at him with the shirt off and not the vocals. So, Bobby's number three. Uh, I don't know if I can rate BBD. They're kind of all the same to me. I don't know, maybe Ricky and then Ronnie and Mike. I don't know. They, those three you can just kind of throw into a bag and just pick one out. They're on the same level to me. Damn. As long as Johnny <laughs> is number one, we good. Throw into a bag. That's not nice. 
Well, <laughs> my mentions are already on fire. Just in the main, just in this first two minutes. So somewhere, I'm Derek Dunn just Derek Dunn just passed out somewhere. <laughs> Derek Dunn is the first one in my mentions. Shout out, Derek. Derek I'm Dunn is rolling over in his one. grave right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? Can I just give a quick shout out too to man when we were gone for three weeks we had people asking us to where the podcast was and to come back so man we appreciate that that's love yeah we really do and I mean seriously for the past couple weeks especially I've gotten so many messages from either you know I got Soul Side or my site on Soul and Stereo so many people hitting a brother up like is the podcast still exist what y'all doing what's going on is everybody okay we're good we just busy so. Y'all don't pay us enough to do this on overtime. Chill. But we're back. (laughs) Here's the funny thing, though, guys. Whenever we do a weekly podcast, there's just not enough to cover. But we're gone for three weeks, and there's so much new music out. But I want to get started on a new song by everyone's favorite Jodeci member, Mr. Dalvin. He actually put out a solo song. Vindication. Get money. First of all, I don't think anyone expected this to happen. But I listened to the song, and yeah, it's, I mean, shout out to Dalvin, he's a good guy, but I mean, maybe there's a reason why he was in the background. I think people were surprised that he can actually speak, and he doesn't sit in the background and don't say anything, and just like, what did Dalvin ever do? And I'm not even trying to be funny. (laughs) We've actually been asking that for years now, What, what did Dalvin do in the group? I mean, uh, did he, he just like, literally just go pick up the chicken in the dry cleaner? He had to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, to his credit, I listened to the song, and you can hear, like, the Jodeci sound on it. Like, the harmonies and the way he's singing on it, it does sound like a Jodeci type of record. I mean, the lyrical content is a little crazy, but you can hear bits and pieces of Jodeci on it. So, he must have contributed to something, you know, in terms of the production and the writing. Ooh yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> All I, you must have X Men hearing, Kyle. Cause I would listen hard and long, and I hear nothing but a bunch of foolishness. So uh, it sounds like he's trying to apologize, though, for Dalvin. It's like, well, if you listen to the song "Underwater" with earplugs in, it actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> hey, man, it's the rule of thumb. A song doesn't sound good on the first try, but if you listen to it thirty more times at like the loudest volume, it'll eventually sound good. Everything That's sounds true. good. That's true. At the loudest rolling. <laughs> I mean, I guess that explains the Bryson Tiller fans among us, so, okay. Oh, Barry. <laughs> Shout out, Barry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we got the Mr. Dalvin single out of the way, and Tom, I want to throw it to you because I think you have some interesting news or facts about yourself that you wanted to announce. I think just recently you discovered that you were Jamaican, just like the rest of these R&B singers these days. Oh, my God. I don't have a Jamaican accent, or if I did, I'd probably try to use it on this whole podcast. My beef was, <laughs> how come people are just allowed to use a Jamaican accent whenever they want, rappers and singers? Ed, do you know why? I don't know why, but I'm glad you brought it up, because it kind of bothers me. In this era where we got to write a think piece and be offended about every single thing on the world, to me, of course, I don't have Jamaican roots, but I think it's a disservice to just... Now, it's one thing that if you produce a record that has Jamaican themes in it. If you have a song that has, like, the, the rhythms for the beat. Okay, we cool. That's all right, because that's playing homage to a culture. But when you suddenly dropping an accent and draking all over the place and, like, pretending to be 
Bob Marley on the beat. Like, that is, to me, a little borderline offensive. And it's appropriation to me. Now, of course, we're all doing it because we all love copying trends. And right now, that's the hotness in the streets. But how is that different than a Miley Cyrus suddenly copping a black accent and, like, dropping all sorts of ebonics all over a song? We would get annoyed by that because it's cultural appropriation. I feel like this is the same, too. So, if you want to produce a song that has a little Jamaican flavor, cool. But please keep the accent out of your mouth. That is just... You're trying too hard, though. I don't know it. <laughs> I don't know, Ed, because uh, Chris Brown just put out a new song called Questions, which samples one of my least favorite songs of the 2000s, Kevin Little's Turn Me On. And he had a little bit of a Jamaican accent on there. Do they have Jamaican people in Virginia, Ed? Jamaica, oh my god. Virginia is a... My... I am from the Hampton Roads area, which is a naval station. It is a melting pot of all types of cultures. Yes, they got Jamaican. They got the jerk chicken there, jerk. Ah, well... (laughs) (laughs) Well, shout out to Chris Brown. Put out a pretty good single. Uh, No, he didn't. Moving forward. (laughs) Calm down. Just wait until October 31st. Heartbreak on a Full Moon released on Halloween... We talked about it off the air. He's going to put out his own version of Thriller. He's going to have trap sounds on it. We're ready. Stop lying to the people. I hope there's some auto-tune on there, too. Oh, no. Y'all are going to make me review this, and it's going to be the worst review I have ever written. Oh, boy. Um, Now, I want to go to another single. This is one that kind of... The collaboration kind of surprised me a little bit. It was Jasmine Sullivan and uh, Bryson Tiller, Insecure. And this is on Ed's favorite TV show on HBO, Insecure. Um, did you guys yeah. hear this song? I did, and it's not bad. It's the best Bryson Tiller song probably I've heard. And I ain't saying too much, but Jasmine dragged a little bit of R&B out of the man. So, of course, she does have a lifting and is well-produced. I like the lyrics. I think it's a decent song. I was shocked to realize that that was him on the song. I didn't listen to it. All I know about Bryson Tiller is he was the second coming of the R&B savior on his first album, but then he left it behind on the second album. That's all I know, literally. And, play, I'm still trying to understand this mentality, how Bryson Tiller fans are so disappointed that this album abandoned him. This album is the exact same as the last album. He <laughs> takes a bunch of superior singles, and he, he does the samples. He moans all of them, pretends to sing. And the only reason people are riding to the songs is because they're riding to that old production that's tried and true that's already a hit. I mean, I can mumble over a, a, a Marsha song and it'll be banging because it's a Marsha song. So I don't understand why people are hearing something new when the biggest problem with the new album is, is exactly like the old album. Well, as somebody that actually went to a Bryson Tiller concert last week, I got the first-hand experience of Bryson Tiller and his quote-unquote singing. And let me tell you, there was not a lot of singing going on in that concert. So, I don't know where every, where, where this R&B savior thing is coming from. I think Barry Bars has done a number on our readers. But let me just, let me just say he is not R&B. But another interesting fact about this Bryson Tiller concert, her uh, was opening up for, uh, for that tour and... If anyone wants to know her true identity, I actually got to meet her. So if you want to know who it actually is, 
Um, send me some PayPal money. You can send it to Kyle at you know I got soul.com and I will reveal everything. Dude, they're gonna I'm, the feds will be showing up at your door. You better be careful of that. Let me tell you something, player. I I know that a lot of these artists like her and Chance the Rapper, we kind of pretend that they're these underground people coming up doing it on their own. Player, please, they got the feds behind them. You can play if you want to. They will be at your doorstep. <laughs> No, this this is a real Kyle. You know, I got Soul Story. I got to meet her, uh, her management, which they were cool. They were just like, Kyle, um, this is her, her, this is Kyle from, you know, I got Soul. And literally the first thing that came out of my mouth was, hey, what's up, Gabby? How you doing? And th- their management just freaked out. <laughs> wow. I'm surprised you didn't get your teeth knocked out for that one. I think they were ready to. And then I had to explain that I had been following her for a long time. So it was all good after. Oh my goodness! I mean, no, we are still fronting like we don't know. I mean, this is equivalent of people not knowing that Clark Kent is Superman because he's got his glasses on. Like we all know what's up. That's pretty funny. Uh, yep, it is. Uh, moving on with the list of new songs, this one actually caught me by surprise. Pleasure P, who is you know I got Soul's number one fan, released a new song, <laughs> but it was actually an old song. Uh, written by Static Major, rest in peace to him, for a long time. And let me tell you guys, if Pleasure P keeps releasing old Static music, the top ten for this year might just be all Pleasure P songs. Wow. Um, I'm a, I don't know, Play. I'm a little in my feelings about this one, because for a long time, it's probably my favorite Static, well, I don't know if it's my favorite favorite, but one of my favorite Static songs. I still play it all the time. And I like that the song is getting exposure, especially because Static's not here anymore to promote it. But I also feel a little bit in my feelings that one of my favorite Static songs is kind of being co-opted here. So, I mean, that might be a little selfish on my part, but I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Wait a minute. Um, what? Wait, hold on. Ed, your favorite artist, Keith Sweat, covered this song like three years it, ago. Exactly. I had, it, and, well, I will say that and we had this conversation with Kyle that apparently Keith and and Johnny did this, and I had no idea that this happened. So I still have to go back and listen to this. I totally missed it. I bet Keith Sweat didn't even know it was a Static song, nor let alone know who Static is. That's my bet. Oh, no, Keith definitely knows who Static is, because I remember um, they did a there song was together. a point. Yeah, they and Static them. was actually... Static's Love a huge Keith Sweat fan. Oh. Love Jones. And, that has Static on it. No idea. Yeah, th- he's a big fan, so I'm sure he knows of him. But my point is, it's when you listen to that song, it sounds like a Keith Sweat song. And that's why my wife is like, this is why you like the song so much, because it sounds like a Keith song. So it doesn't surprise me that Keith and Johnny would cover it. But I do wish my man was here to get some of the credit for that, because that's my joke. Yep. Alright, so moving forward, we have... Okay, this is one that we can finally all talk about. This is 112's new single, Dangerous Games. I want to hear your thoughts on this, because it sounds like a 112 record, but with obviously some modern production to it. I think we all feel like they did a pretty good job of fusing the two together. Yeah, I I thought so, personally. Um, I didn't think... I mean, I, I felt... You know, you felt that classic 112 vibe, and I think I'm happy they went that way. Although, 
it's like I keep saying. I'm just every time you don't hear trap drums on a song, it's a win. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm just terrified, but <laughs> yeah, Ed. Well, shout out to my girl um, Kristen Bookman because she was the one who kind of sent me a link to their IG page a little bit before the song dropped and was like, oh, they got a hit on their hands, player. And I listened, and I was like, man, you're right. I'm looking forward to this one. And she was right. This one is more in line with the 112 sound, but it does sound updated. So it doesn't sound like it's from 98, but it also is not them trying to, I don't know, Bryson Tiller themselves into oblivion. So I like it. I don't love, love it. But it's easily the best thing that I've heard from him and enough for me to get excited about the album. The one thing that bothered me about the song was the amount of auto-tune that they're using on it. And also, who's the person singing on the second part of the second verse? I think it's Duran, but I don't ever recall Duran sounding like that. It was very awkward. Hmm. It's been a while since I've heard it, so I have to re-listen to it, but... I mean, it's 2017, Blair, folks get old. It could very well be yeah. drawn with a older sound, so to speak. It's a good point. If you don't take care of your voice, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ask Cisco. Oh. <laughs> yeah, actually, if Cisco doesn't sound bad live, though. You know, I've seen him recently. Oh, well, that's good, because the last time I heard the man, whoo. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, Jazz is still a beast live. Unfortunately, he can't really move around too well, though. He had to kind of Poor sit through most of the show. Poor Jazz. I know he's had some health problems, but there is no reason why that man shouldn't have had at least some sort of a solo career. Yep. No, for sure. Um, going down the list now, we have another new song. Luke James, who was the first coming of, uh, of the R&B savior before Bryson Tiller came into the mix. He was supposed <laughs> to be the guy to save R&B. He comes out with a new song, Drip. Now, I sent the song to Tom yesterday, and he listened to it, and he didn't know what was going on. And I listened to it, and I kind of knew what was going on, but I still didn't really know what was going on. So, Ed, did you know what was going on? I figured out what was going on. I'm glad between the three of us, one person figured out what was going on. It's Luke is kind of frustrating because he has the vocal ability to demolish everybody. I remember a lot long ago when we were talking about the best male vocalist in the game, and to me, he's number one, like, by far. Like, nobody's really in his level. But he's still trying to find himself creatively, so sometimes he gets a little too cute on some of these songs, and his vocals and the intent of the song kind of get a little lost. So I understand why both of you would be like, I don't quite get what's going on. I see what he was going for, and I like the song, but again, I feel like it's a lost opportunity because with the promotion and the publicity he's gotten coming off of the new edition song, I mean, a new edition story, if he hit big, he could have just dominated the rest of this year off of the strength of one single. This isn't going to get the job done as far as getting mainstream is, but it's enough for me to be interested in what else he'd be having to say. I, I, I sent a tweet out recently kind of lamenting the fact that he never became a star. And it's it's weird because I feel like he's done, and maybe you could uh, agree with me, Kyle, but I feel like he's went in so many different lanes and tried so many different things, and it, none of it has really just worked for him. And it's unfortunate because well, we really took to him because in the beginning he had a sound we thought would make him a star, and it just he unfortunately went away from it. It's just been kind of sad to watch play out. 
Yeah. No question. I mean, that whispers in the dark mixtape. I will ride or die for that <laughs> thing forever. And you just knew that like that was it. But once he dropped his solo album and, and his most recent single, he keeps trying to find like a new lane to innovate. And I understand that from an artistic standpoint, but it's just not clicking. Yeah, for sure. But I think who knows what happens with this whole new edition biopic. It might bring new, a new life back into him. Um, do you think the single was influenced by Redbone? Because it sort of has that same vibe to it. Oh, man. <laughs> mm, I don't know if I'd say it was influenced by Redbone. I guess I see what you were saying. But it is a little bit more funk, kind of D'Angelo-ish a bit. So I understand where you're coming from there. Can I ask you about Redbone real quick? When I heard the song, I thought it was a female singing. I didn't even know what was going on. And then someone told me it was a rapper that was singing. It is a rapper that yes, it's Childish Gambino. But when you, if you did not know that it was him before you went into the song, you'd have no idea who that was. Someone told me they thought it was Mason Gray. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, I don't know. Who is Childish Gambino again? Oh, the player. He's like one of the... Well, I was going to say he's one of the biggest rappers, but musically, I wouldn't say he's one of the biggest rappers. He is Donald Glover, one of the biggest artists slash actors in the game right now. And he's doing his music thing, too. Yeah, he's another artist that I feel like got eaten up by the Drake bandwagon because he should have been much bigger as a rapper. He tries to do the singing thing, it don't quite work out, but it's a pretty decent rapper. Why is he singing out of curiosity? Why does anybody sing? It's like if you're a rapper, you're like, you have to have in your contract. If I put out this rap album, I have to have at least two songs where I'm singing on the album. <laughs> but it's like, it's so weird because it went number one on Urban AC. It's like, they, why would they, you know, it's just not something you see from a younger rapper to do, you know? It's a, I will say the song is freaking catchy because it was one of those songs that when I first heard, I was like, what is this garbage? But pretty soon it kind of hooked the bubble. Right. It's just infectiously catchy. That's all I can give you on that one. But yeah, Gambino, mm-hmm. you know, I would rather hear you rap than try to be slying the family stone all over the place. But it's working, so kudos. <laughs> now, whenever I think of Childish Gambino, I get him confused with... Uh Chance the Rapper, I don't know why, and I was thinking, so, as you guys all know, we have the R&B Hall of Fame, but Tom also created his own thing, which is like the Good Guy Award, where he just gives an award to everyone who's a good guy, so Joe gets that award, John B. gets that award, Tom, does Chance the Rapper get that award as well, because he's a good guy, right? I thought we talked about this already, he doesn't get that award. Oh my gosh, we've talked about this, but not publicly, please state your case. We talked, I, I thought we talked last year. podcast about this and how he stole money or something and then was like bandit style, come and get me to to the producer who he owed money to. Remember that? Yep, you did say that. And I think Wale called him out on that. Yep. And we love Wale, so we and would Wale's always follow Y'all, we'll always y'all ride with Wale. with Wale. I don't ride with Wale, but <laughs> that'll, don't get me started on that. Listen, Ed. Keep it R&B. Wale brings the best out of every R&B singer he worked with. We never heard Lloyd singing like that before. We never heard Usher like that in about 15 years. You name two people. Let me name 47 that he has, like, drugged <laughs> through the mud on his little tracks. 
Like, I get mad at Wale because he is so, he just continues to, he should be a four, five star artist, but every album is three star because he just always puts it in second gear. Play a step it up. Stop fussing on Twitter, maybe I'll give you some newer stars on that album. Ed, you're eating at Denny's and expecting a five star meal here. That's what you get from hip hop these days. We got to take what we can get. Oh. <laughs> no, if you're eating at Denny's, at least I want something other than some runny eggs. Like, make sure the thing's not sliding all over your plate, dog. Make oh the bacon crispy. Come out here with half-cooked bacon. That's how you treat wow. Wiley, like a bunch of runny eggs? Damn. Yes. <laughs> Damn. I heard the last album. So, um, speaking of good guys and, and good girls... Keisha Cole, I don't think, will get an award from us either for being a good person because she, for some reason, has... She hates us for some reason, and we're not quite sure why. She blocked us on Twitter, and Tom says he didn't do anything, and I definitely didn't do anything, but Keisha did actually put out a new single earlier uh, this week, Incapable, which I personally really like. It sounds like a great song, but it also sounds like a K. Michelle song for some reason. It was written by K. Michelle, wasn't it? No. It was written by Elijah Blake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, it sounds like a, it, like a K. Michelle song. It does sound exactly like a K. Michelle song. It was produced by, I think, Danger. So it's, it's a, I like it. I don't know that it's, it's I'll, okay, I'll say it's one of her better songs that I've heard as far as the singles that she's kind of dropped here and there. That one by far is the strongest, but. I don't know. It's something about it that was solid, but it was missing something that really made it go over the top. And I don't know what it is, because the production's good, the songwriting's fine, her performance is fine. It seems like it's just missing some little X factor to take it to the next level. Uh, her singing was, was okay. I felt like she was screaming, screaming a little too much on the song, but I know where you're oh, coming well. from. Keisha Cole, <laughs> there you go. Screaming. Okay, yep. Um, now let's talk about another new song and we actually haven't talked about this off the air yet so it's time to bring it up another one of R&B's saviors Miguel put out a new song Skywalker with Travis Mm -hmm. Scott and let me just first off say that Adorn is probably still one of the most memorable R&B songs that have come out in the last five years so to go from Adorn to Skywalking on these haters Ed, <laughs> the stage is yours I, I mean I'll actually go a little further Adorn might be one of the best songs of the past ten years like it's pretty high on the list <sighs> Skywalking on these haters I look I will say that when I went into this song because people had warned me you know how my shout out to my um, my Twitter followers and my Facebook crew, and if cheap plug if I haven't talked about this already, go to Facebook, join the Soul and Stereo Cipher, look it up because that's our Soul and Stereo Facebook group, and there's some cool conversations that goes on there. But anyway, someone in the group told me they were like, "Oh, Ed, you're gonna tear this song up when you hear it." So I went into it with low expectations because I expected some trap and some garbage, and it's more hip-hop than R&B, but I didn't hate it. It's definitely far removed from Adorn, and Travis Scott needs to be burned at the stake, but if you take him out, 
<laughs> it's okay for for a, a summertime radio song. It ain't bad. It's not great, but it ain't bad. And again, it's so far removed from Kaleidoscope era, Miguel. You guys gotta let that go because I guess that ain't happening. So, but what it was, sorry. A couple interesting things I wanted to say about Miguel. Uh, first of all, he's turning 32 this year. If anyone was curious, um, but you forgot the the, the the single from his last album, Kyle. I thought we all actually liked his last album, Wild Heart. Yeah, we did. I did. Then, I know that it's got a very mixed response, but so, I didn't. I didn't hate it at all. I like coffee a lot too, and I. I didn't it, see. It's not like it just went from adorn to like, and here we are. There was some in between. It's not like it totally flew off the handle, but it's interesting because I didn't hate it either. But mostly because I didn't hear auto tune until the rapper came in. Which why is a rapper yeah. using? Why is that like a standard these days? Rappers have to sing with auto tune now. And rap yes, with we just discussed this. We just talked about it. it's a it's a prerequisite. If you're rapping, you got to pretend to sing all over the track. It's, with uh, auto tune, though, anyway. it's like I don't I don't know. But anyway, but I didn't hate it because I didn't hear trap and I didn't hear auto tune from Miguel. And I was like, this is pretty much what I expect. You know, you gotta try to be commercial. It's just the way it is nowadays. If you're a major label artist, so. But the most interesting thing to me was what I was telling Kyle, and I think we probably talked about this, was how Bruno Mars pretty much stole Miguel's entire lane that he could have slid right into because I feel like Miguel is capable of that superstardom. He's a musician, you know, a singer. He could have made that last album that Bruno put out. You know, why not? So it's just disappointing to me that instead of something like that, we get something like this Skywalker song. So I'm, you know... It's disappointing when you see the top artists we have, you know, going to those levels. It's very frustrating because, and it's why I get into arguments on, look, funny me, me getting into arguments on Twitter about stuff. But, like, I get in arguments because you have an artist like a Bruno Mars, and fans are like, oh, he's appropriating, he's still in R&B, and blah, 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 blah. Well, why isn't Miguel and anybody else doing this? If they want to do their pseudo-rap stuff, there's a lane open, and if an artist wants to come in and capitalize and do it well, hey, man, I'm just happy the music's good. So Miguel certainly had the opportunity to do this, and he decided not to. And again, I'm not crapping on the song because it's okay. I like it. I've listened to it two or three times, and it gets better with every listen. Not necessarily what I want from Miguel because we know he's capable of so much more. But if he doesn't want to go in that lane, you can't get mad at somebody else who decides to capitalize. Well, I think the problem is with Miguel's last album, Coffee didn't necessarily perform that well on the charts. So I feel like this time around, he had to put out something something that was a little more commercial. And I can't be mad mm-hmm. at that. I think I've said in a previous podcast, my rule of thumb is you're allowed one of, the, of those commercial records just to get people's attention. So, I mean, if his whole album is like this, then that's kind of questionable. But I have no doubt that Miguel is going to go back to what we know you know, from him on, on this album, so I don't think that's a huge concern for me. But guys, that music video for the Skywalker song, that seems like something that we would do. It was a fun party. Yo, now I, tell, I have not watched the video, so I haven't seen that. So the video is just him wilding out at a party? Well, tell me why I had it on, and my wife walked in, and she thought I was watching softcore porn because some girl was shaking her ass in a thong in the video. Oh, God. True <laughs> story. Tom, True about to get story. caught up. I'm serious. <laughs> She's like, what are you watching? 
this is a Miguel video. I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, some other new songs I want to touch on, um, and you know, feel free to talk about them if you guys want. But I know we're running. We're, I don't want to have this drag on for three hours. But um, a couple of new songs: Vivian Green, Promise. Did anyone check out that song? I did, and I liked it okay. Vivian is another of those artists that kind of frustrates me because I'm a huge fan of her first album. I thought it was when she dropped that first album, I thought she was going to be a big star. And her subsequent albums have just always been okay. They've been solid, and they always like one or two really good songs, and just I like stuff. And she continues, even though I love her work with Kwame, most of the stuff is just okay, and this song is just okay. It's a good listen, but it's not like, oh, okay, here's a hit, here's a banger. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. Solid song, but I wish we could get a little bit more. I thought it was solid, too. I like the first single, I Don't Know Better. Shout out to Kwame, shout out to Vivian Green. You know, I, I, I could appreciate what she's doing, you know, in, doing all of it in-house with Kwame now and just kind of making R&B, staying in her lane, which... The last album actually did pretty well. The single was a was a big hit for her, it and was. it led to a yeah, it led to a lot of you know more visibility for her than we've seen in recent years. So that was good. So looking forward to seeing what she continues with for this album. It's coming out October sixth. I just saw VGVI. I think it's called. Yeah, VG number six. I'm still yeah. a big fan, so I'm hoping for big things. But man, that first album was still my joint. And then another single that came out is by Sammy, Too Long. I actually had a chance to listen to the song. I actually like it. It's a pretty solid R&B song. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary from Sammy, but just a solid R&B song. No complaints from me. Player, I really like that song. I don't know why, but that one really, of all the new music, when I got back in town, I just kind of went through the site and just caught up on a lot of singles. And that one really stood out to me the most. I don't know what about it. It's just kind of fun. I like it. And another song that came out is by Case. Now, Case premiered this on our website. Um, Case has also turned to Jamaican for anybody that's asking. Uh, but Tom, no. didn't didn't Case give us a shout-out? Case did give us a shout-out. I think his publicist was looking for a place to premiere the song. And he told her, I F with you know I got so real hard. So that's a compliment. <laughs> if, if, if that's a... <laughs> you know, we love Case, so... And at least he's not, you know, rapping or... I mean, it's a Caribbean feel to the song, and we were happy to premiere it, but, you know, he's coming out with a new EP yeah, it, soon. It was a good song, and I love that Case dropped the F-bomb, because that's our case. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I want to finally get into some albums. I mean, we talked about, we've been talking about singles for the last 30 minutes or so, but it's time to talk about some albums. Um... Now, I want to first off talk about an album that I don't think any of us knew was coming out, and that is Brian McKnight. He put out his new album, Genesis. Did any of you guys know that was coming out? Because, Tom, I think you had said, I think Brian McKnight's like mission was to like put out an album and have no one know about it. Oh, man, that's... <laughs> I, I, I hate to say that. If we say something like that, we're not trying to diss anyone. It's like when your family messes up and you know your family could do better, you want to see them succeed. you got to call them on it. So, Brian McKnight, you're a legend. I don't know. You know, you need to spread the word. You know, you've made legendary music. So people want to know it's out. 
but I did know it was coming out, but kind of it kind of slipped off the radar to be honest because I had it written down and I just hadn't heard anything about it, so I wasn't really sure. And then it, boom, it was out there. Nice of him to, uh, you know, put the uh, cover art together on his own in his living room with his webcam. <laughs> I saw that album cover and I was like, who is still playing Mario Paint in 2017? Good Lord. But I had, like Tom said, I had no idea. And I, between the three of us, it's not too many albums that will completely slip by us. And that one, Kyle just was like, hey, did you guys know this was out? And we were like, when is it coming out? Oh, it's out now. I'm like, okay. It's weird that it completely slid by all of us. So I have yet to hear it either, but. Whenever there's an album that just pops out of nowhere, my expectations aren't very high. Um, did any of you guys get a chance to listen to the album? I listened to it a little bit, um, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Mm, I haven't got a chance to get to it yet. I haven't either, but the singles he put out, the few I've heard, were actually kind of that vintage sound he's, he's been known for, so I'll have to check that out soon. Yeah, I listened to it, and I think the album starts off okay, and then he starts dibbling and dabbling to different sounds, and it kind of lost me a little bit, but I have to go back and listen to it some more. Because, I mean, Brian McKnight is one of the most talented R&B artists out there, so who knows, there might be some hidden gems on there. Here's my, uh, my feedback. A, um, go ahead, Ed. That's kind of annoying, because his last album, that was the my main um, complaint with it, is that it kind of jumped all over the place when it came to genres. And it's it makes for a very inconsistent listen, when it's like hopping from this to this to this to this to this. And I was hoping that this one would be a little bit more cohesive, so that don't sit well with me that it sounds like he's making that mistake again. I'm just frustrated a little bit with him, and we love Brian McKnight. If we can make a list, he's probably in the top ten of, of like, our readers' favorite artists who come to this, you know, I got soul. It's just that oh, man, definitely. he's he's just so kind of stuck in his own zone, doing a lot of the production on his own and releasing on his own. It's like I, he should be so much bigger than he is right now, when releasing the like, you know, like, like what Joe's doing, getting a lot of radio play. I mean, Brian McKnight's not getting any radio play, and that's on him though. If he's gonna do it himself, you gotta have the budget. But it's like people are just forgetting about him in this day and age, and. It shouldn't be like that, in my opinion. Yeah, it shouldn't. Um, another new album that came out, and this one was actually posted on like every single R&B blog. It kind of caught us uh, caught us by surprise. But Julius Caesar put out his new album, right, Ed? Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant Daniel Caesar. Oh my gosh! Player, <laughs> cut his mic off. Well, actually, I, I said, uh, how was that new Julius Caesar album, Kyle? I never even heard of this guy. Who is he? So, <laughs> he's some well, guy he's wearing a, a, well, I just know that he's Canadian. <laughs> I just know he's Canadian, oh so he, he's an automatic win. But, Ed, I saw that you reviewed the album earlier today. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I did post a review of that album. Um, Daniel Caesar is who we're talking about. And he's been one of those artists... He may have kind of hit right before I started working with you guys, but he got a lot of buzz because he's straight from the church, straight. He didn't perform gospel, but you can tell he's one of those artists that kind of cultivated his sound in the church. And he dropped a couple of EPs years ago. And like the critic sites were all over it, talking about he's the next big thing, blah, blah, blah. And then he just kind of vanished. 
and I kind of forgot about them, and then suddenly here's this new album. So I checked it out because I liked the earlier stuff, and I will say I was quite surprised. It is very well done. It's just ten tracks. It's very short, very tight. Got a got a big features from your girl, her, and Sid from up the internet's up there, a couple other folks. But it's just so well done. I was very surprised, and I think, as I said on Twitter at the end of the day when we're talking about best R&B albums of the year, you got to talk about Avery Sunshine, you got to talk about Stokely, and now you got to talk about Daniel Caesar being a runner. It's a very well done piece of work. If I compare it to somebody. I don't know if I can compare. The closest comparison might be a early John Legend, sort of. But he is in such his own lane. I would encourage everybody to check it out on their own, see what you think. But I was quite impressed. Impressed and John Legend? I never thought anyone would put those two words together in the same sentence. Oh, come wow. on. Well, you definitely would. <laughs> Especially not on this wow. podcast. <laughs> I said early John Legend play. I ain't to say 2017. Well then, uh, one more album I want to touch on, and I don't think either of you guys have listened to it. I actually just started listening to it before we got on this podcast, and it was Elijah Blake's new album, um, Audiology. Released it independently. I've only really gotten to the first two songs, but man, it's sounding like something that uh, could be uh, potentially a great album. It sort of has that... Uh, 80s, 90s sound to it. Very Prince, very Michael Jackson influenced. Um, the first song on the album sounds like a Chico DeBarge song. So that's what you're dealing with with this album. But I think once we get a chance to listen to it a little more, we might be able to dig deep into it. Um, I think you like you buried the lead on this one with the elephant in the room. Can we talk about this album cover? Because I got words. <laughs> oh my goodness. There was a naked oh ass God. in my face. Uh, Look, I was like, who? Kyle is like, have y'all seen this album cover? And then he sends this thing, and <laughs> I'm like, who is this booty warrior all up in my comments? Booty and warrior. And this is, I'm like, what? And before some, because I know someone's going to be like, oh, D'Angelo was naked. D'Angelo was naked strategically. We ain't see anything beyond that lower waist. But uh, Elijah got them cheeks of flame all up in your face. So, I don't know what your player doing, but he needs to dial it down. Shout out to my man, Gaetano. Big, big fan and supporter of both our sites. I remember a couple weeks ago, he posted this thing on Facebook. It was so hilarious, but so true. It was like a list of things that R&B artists needs to do to be successful in 2017. The joke was that nothing he listed was being an actual good singer. But one of the highest things on the list was go to the gym and get cut up. Because apparently Elijah heard that, got his abs, and was like, let me show this off on my cover. So, I guess he's first step to stardom, and we ain't talked about the music yet. So, put some clothes on, play it, jeez. Dude, I thought you were seriously about to shout out Gaetano for doing the same thing. Oh, well, Gaetano's not there. hitting me over the head with that guitar like the honky <laughs> man, please. Yo, imagine uh, that. That would, be a, that would be a great way to, to get... Fame for Gaetano. Take a naked picture with a guitar in front of in front of his privates. Ladies would eat that up. Oh, they would tear <laughs> it up. And then I have to diss them on my site, and I don't want to do my man like that. <laughs> oh man. Um, I I want to quickly talk uh, about one more thing before we you know get into our Hall of Fame and everything. But Tom, you interviewed Tank recently, didn't you? 
Oh, I've been waiting for this moment. No boy. Yes, I did. September September 29th is the release date for Savage, and Tom really went hard at Tank about the direction of his music and what he's trying to do. I think one of the funny parts in the interview was Tom was just like, why are you competing with rappers if your single is on Urban AC? And uh, Tank, to his credit, he did have a pretty decent rebuttal, but man, as I listen to all these new songs he's putting out, so we have the lead single, When We... Which, Tom, you know that theory I was telling you guys earlier about playing a song over and over at the loudest volume to get, your, oh, to get yourself God. convinced that you like that song? Tom tried that, and I don't think it's worked so far, right? It hasn't worked, man. But Tank <laughs> said this years ago, that uh, he's no one cared about when he put real R&B out, so he's never coming back, and he's not. So here we are with Tank in 2017. Yo, but his, uh, his new song that he just put out, Savage... That is the most disgusting song I've ever heard in my life. What do you mean, disgusting? That sounds like whatever the people are making, isn't it? I was going to say, it sounds just like every other disgusting song I've heard on the radio. <laughs> but that's the problem. It's from Tank. Too, well, you... that's the thing. Play a, and listen, I know y'all going to get pissed about this. And Tank, please, t- you can tweet me at E.T. Bowser. These are not the comments of you know I got soul.com. They are the comments of Soul and Stereo. So listen, players. I know we all love Tank. Everybody loves Sex, Love, and Pain. It came out in 2006. But it is 2017. When are we going to stop making excuses for old dude? He made great songs. But it's been a long time since I gave a Tank album more than three stars. And it's because he's he's telling y'all, I'm not going to make this music anymore. I'm going to make me some old hip-hop garbage and hopefully get some play on these mainstream stations. He's telling you what he wants. If that's what you want to do, cool, but I ain't going to front like it's good. So, I love Tank's old stuff. But, I'm going to call garbage garbage. I think the biggest takeaway for me, though, was that TGT is nowhere near close to coming back together or even putting out another album. Because I think that's like our only hope from getting R&B from Tank. And if you read between the lines of his answer, though, it really came across like Tyrese really wanted more money to have to do that project, another project. So that's and what that I took from that. does not shock me in the least. <laughs> but you know what's interesting about Tank? It reminds me of when you just spoke about Miguel and how no one supported coffee. It almost feels like Tank didn't feel appreciated when he put out R&B albums, and now it's like, well... I guess no one wants to hear that from me. I'm just going to put out trendy stuff, and here he is. And 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 honestly, that's his prerogative. Like if he wants to do that, that's fine. But I'm not. What annoys me is when he puts out that stuff and he says, "I'm not going to do this R&B. I'm going to do this." And then he puts it out, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's not that great." But you know, Tank is. We love Tank because he put out that album ten years ago, and it was good. So I'm gonna keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. Nope. If you say you're putting out some whack stuff and you're putting out some whack stuff, I'm going to call it whack. Mm-hmm. But here's the interesting thing. I've seen a couple of different reactions. So um, our girl Amber Ricks, who's a huge supporter of ours, she said something that yes. sort of al- aligned with what we're saying, which is, you know, I'm sorry I'm not impressed with the song. I'm, it might be the first Tank album that I don't buy. So that's sort of like the expected answer, but... I mean, in Tank's interview, he says at his concert, there are people turning up to his new stuff as well, and they're not of the younger demographic. They're the people of our age or, or older. So, 
I think the new people, I mean, the older people are, are adapting to this trap stuff. So maybe Tank mm. has a point. Mm. Listen, Clay, if I spent $30 <laughs> to go to a Tank show, he can sit up there and sing Sesame Street. I'm a bop to it or something. Because I'm trying to get my money out of it with my bop. So I might like it in the moment because he's performing it. And maybe some of them really do like it. But when you have a fan like Amber who has rolled with Tank this long time and he is saying, I don't want to make music for you anymore, you're doing yourself a disservice because you are turning away your fan base. I'm not talking about the people that just want you to take your shirt off and go to the concert to watch that and just going to turn up to whatever. But when you have a huge fan base, you're intentionally pushing them away. I think that's dumb, but who am I? I am no R&B superstar. Can I just read you a couple really quick YouTube comments that were posted on his last song, Savage? Ready? Someone wrote, he's, he's showing his versatility. He deserves to do what he wants. Then people wrote, love Tank, but this is a no for me. Stay true. Someone wrote, while you're jealous, if you think it's good, then play it. It's not easy to be to do your thing and be successful, but Tank's always been successful. Leave him alone. Bro, get back behind the piano and make some real music again. <laughs> Somebody call the man and tell them it's a gas leak in here. I don't know what that means. Uh, Tank, I just introduced my girl to your music, bro. you failing me right now. And finally, last one. Hold on. It sounds like these new age rappers out here. I'm trying to get pregnant tonight. <laughs> hey, that's me true. Too. That's true. Well, I mean, it shows that there's a divide. I agree with like half of the comments and half of them I didn't. I do think he's taking do what he wants. If that's the kind of music he wants to make, cool. But like I said, you can make it, but I'm going to tell you it's trash, so... Do you, boo? Well, another interview that we did recently was with Lettucey, and Tom, didn't Lettucey say that she was bored with Urban AC music? Yeah, I was really happy she said that, because I'm pretty bored with it, too. (laughs) And, uh, see, I don't know if that was an excuse for her to want to make some type of trappy-sounding stuff or whatever, but from hearing some of the new album live, it's not going to be that at all. But, guys, I mean, I, I think that's an issue like it's she said it's getting stale and it's getting boring urban ac and i I could agree with that what do you guys think i definitely agree i think that that's why when you got a luke james who's trying to do something different i understand because going and i talk about it all the time like we love certain eras of music but the 90s is gone the early 2000s is gone like r&b is looking for that next sound to kind of take it forward and I'm proud of the legends who want to try to find the next sound. I'm not talking about legends who are just copying what rappers are doing, Mr. Tank. I'm talking about artists who are taking their current sound and tweaking it and involving it a little bit to try to find new things because she's right. Like it's a lot of a lot of people are like, "Man, you've been a lot of the albums this year the same review because everything this year is going to be the same kind of run of the mill." paint by number stuff and it's kind of disappointing and it's boring as a reviewer at least give me some straight up garbage so I can have fun with it so I'm not mad at her and I certainly understand her frustration I get it and haven't you haven't you gone on record as saying that Charlie Wilson has released the same album for the past 15 years or so (laughs) I think that was a a man by the name of Thomas Leo who said that but (laughs) 
<laughs> don't let that. the facts get in the way, player. Um, oh, man. Oh, man. Man, I'm tired of hearing guys complain about this. R&B is in a good space. I mean, what do you want from these artists? So you don't want them to put out urban AC music. You don't want them to be Jamaican, and you certainly don't want them to be mumbling. Like, what else can they do? Give us you something. don't want them to be mumbling or they pretending to be fake rappers or fake Jamaicans. What do you want from them? Oh, my yeah. good Shout out, like I said earlier, shout out to... To Julius Caesar, aka Daniel Caesar. Shout out to Avery. Shout shout out to Stokely. Shout out to Tone Stiff. Even shout out to like Mary J. Those of you this year who actually put out some quality stuff. There's been quality R and B this year, but man, there's a pile of stuff that is just so run of the mill, mediocre. It's been depressing. Um, Ed, I got a question for you before we hop on, before we get into the Hall of Fame. Who is Jaki and what is this B.E.D. song? Because it sounds like he sampled Avant and that confuses me. Well, yes, it's a, and I, I feel bad. It's my guilty. I was driving to Virginia 12 hours. It kind of sucked. But to get through that, I was playing that song and I was like, man, this song is kind of catchy. Why is this song so catchy? I hope dude sends Avant a check every month like child support. Along with a nice Christmas card. Because if it was not for that Avant single, I mean, that Avant sample, that song would be dead in the water. So, I guess he found his Bryson Tiller moment. Find somebody who did it better and copy it. Wow. Alright, guys. That was a lot that we covered, but it's time to get into everyone's favorite segment. The R&B Hall of Fame. And it's been so long, I don't even remember who we nominated last time. I think it was R. <laughs> Kelly and... Who was the other person? Johnny Gill, was it? It was some old guy. Re- some old guy. Some old guy, oh my god. <laughs> All I remember uh, is both people got in, I believe. No, then it wasn't Johnny Gill. Oh, I don't I I can't remember. I remember R. Kelly getting in. Not two more nominations think about that while I uh, nominate this first artist. I don't think we've done Jill Scott yet, right? We have not. That's a good one. Jilly from Philly. Um, I mean, what, uh, what can we say? Tom, introduce Jill Scott. You love Jill Scott. Introduce Jill Scott. Okay. She came out of <laughs> Philly in that whole neo-soul movement. I, I vividly remember her first video. Uh, oh, we all do. <laughs> she was kind of rough back then, but she's kind of changed up her whole style, and it's kind of like almost a fashion icon now a bit. So um, one of the best voices. She really became the biggest star to come out of that whole Philly movement, in fact, looking back at it, which is interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, plenty of hits. Does One of the few artists who can tour on her own now. Um, am I putting her in the Hall of Fame? No, only because I think she still has more to prove. I think she has potential to be in the Hall of Fame someday, but I think she's got more time to go. Man, I hate when I have to agree with Tom. And, oh, they're going to be in my mentions about this because they already been in it earlier this year when I was talking about Jill. I'm a big Jill fan. But I feel like Jill is one of those artists who came out of the gate so strong. Like that first album, she made such an impression. And although her subsequent albums have been good, I think that she is still kind of chasing the success of that first album. 
So that first album, Put Her on the Map, definitely one of the best R&B albums of that era. But I think when it comes, especially in more recent years, her impact has been more outside of the booth and in pop culture, where is it being fashion, where is it being kind of body image issues, and even in acting, she's doing her thing there. So Jill is a big star, but as far as R&B Hall of Fame, not yet. I wouldn't say never, because she definitely has some room to grow, but not yet. Um, you guys sort of hit the nail um, with that. Um, I mean, the one thing about Jill, though, is that she's consistently put out big songs on Urban AC over the last definitely over the last five years. It, every song hits number one pretty much, and her albums always go number one as well. And she's still one of the biggest names in R&B today. But I'm with you guys. I don't think she has it yet. I think that time will come eventually. But it's right now. It's just not the right time. And also, I think. I'm not going to lie, I think the reason why Tom said no is he pretty much said if music who's from Philly isn't getting in, then no one from Philly is getting in. Is this true, Tom? That's true. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> that is true. Plus, Monica's not even in. So how are we supposed to put anyone else in? Oh. Oh. Well, I can't wait till an army of angry Jill fans reenacting that video talking about <laughs> that she needs some Vaseline show up at your doorstep. Philly's a wow. lot closer to New York than Alabama, so you better gear up. All right, all right. All right. My turn. Yep, so Jill Scott is not in, and now it's Tom's turn to nominate an artist. Um, who do you have, Tom? Someone we mentioned during this podcast, a group. I'm going to go with 112 this time. Um, oh. oh. You know, this is a tough one, I think, but uh, just to name their credentials... One of the top R&B groups of the 90s, obviously. You know, they carried it over. You know, it, it kind of was never the same once they left Bad Boy and went to Def Jam. But they've still had a big impact. They've had a lot of hits. You know, and um, we can bo- we can all debate how many classic albums they've had. I think we have different opinions on this. But uh, I, I'll let you guys speak to it first. Do you have them in or out? Hmm. This is a tough one. Um. I'm gonna say. Uh, it's, uh, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no just because of the contrast between their first two albums, or maybe three, and you know the latter part of their career. There was such a huge difference in quality that it's hard for me to give them a yes. First album is a classic. A little ballad heavy, but I would say it's a classic. Second album, which I really like, is a classic. Third album, I don't know why Ed loves that album so much. Um, I do like <laughs> I do like the album. I don't think it's a five-star album. Because if we're calling that a five-star, then I want to put in Chris Brown's debut, Omarion's sophomore album, um, Usher's Raymond vs. Raymond album. We can put those all into the five-star category. I'm just kidding about Please the. Please stop drinking wow. and continue your conversation. My God. I'm just kidding about the Raymond versus Raymond. Raymond. Versus Raymond. <laughs> um, and then Hot and Wet. You guys know how I feel about that album. Um, I think we all feel the same way about that album. And then the Pleasure and Pain album. I didn't really like. I mean, I liked some of the songs, but it wasn't something that I really, really went back and listened to over and over again. 
it's tough because they did make Cupid, which is one of the best songs of the 90s. Um, and they did cross over with part three. And you can't forget about all their songs with Biggie. But Hot and Wet, if you put out an album like that, I cannot put you into the Hall of Fame, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. But it's a tough one because I'm looking at their discography now. Listen. Come See Me. Whew, I love that song. Listen, player, it's a tough one. And I think my my 112 fanboyness is well known around here at this point. I still contend that their first three albums you can't really mess with. And I know I would not give the third album five stars, but I would give it pretty high. So you're just wrong on that one with your Raymond versus Raymond garbage comparison in my feelings. Anyway, Kyle's kind of right. Like the thing that if their career went from 96 to 2001 and stopped, Maybe I would have a stronger argument, but the second half of their career was just such a drop-off. And I know we've discussed before with artists like Boys to Men, where it's like, oh, they had a good album, and they had terrible albums after. And I'm not criticizing them or condoning them for having bad albums after, more so that I'm talking about how their influence wanes so quickly. Boys to Men was very influential throughout the biggest stages of their career, 112 put out phenomenal albums, classic albums, classic songs. I still think Room 112 is their pinnacle. But when we look at influence, which to me is a, the determining factor in a lot of these Hall of Fame placements, that's kind of where they fall short. And that second half of that career, we all know the Hot and Wet Wife Beater album didn't quite work for anyone who has working ears. So. <laughs> Mm, it's a very hesitant, depressed, disappointing no for me. Ah, oh, man. But really close. I would actually put them in, and here's my argument. To me, they have the credentials. I'd say they have two classic albums, and then they have two others that are solid. And then they also have probably one of the biggest disappointing albums I've ever listened to because I was so excited for that Hot and Wet album. I we tried all to, were. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I tried to like it. And man, at the age I was at, I was like, damn, this is probably one of the worst albums I've heard since I was, you know, I don't know when, unfortunately. But I think they've done enough. Unfortunately, they didn't carry on after after Pleasure and Pain, and they're coming back now. So maybe someday they can get in. Yeah, I think like Jill, the door isn't closed. Because if they came back hard enough with this next album, and they were able to once again kind of reinvent things and again become another force because the game is really missing some strong R&B groups because Lord knows Jagged Edge didn't do it earlier this year. Ugh. So there's the opportunity is there for them to step it up and still one of my favorite groups of all time. But uh, I'm glad Tom said yes, so at least one of them said yes. I don't say that. <laughs> I will say this though. 112 has some very solid writing credentials as well. I'm not sure if you guys have ever looked at the credits, but 112 has done a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and man, like, it's hard because they've done a lot of good music, and that Hot and Wet album, that just negates everything, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you are correct. Well... So, 112 is not in the Hall of Fame. I think that's actually going to cause quite a controversial uh, podcast. Uh, 
can't wait to see our comments to see what happens with that. And I think that pretty much wraps up this week's podcast, unless I'm missing something. Actually, I am missing something, but we're going to have to do a whole separate podcast on that. EdSoInStereo.com, I was on the website the other week, and you listed out the 30 best Saw 30 best albums from the 2000s R&B albums Oh yes Man we haven't discussed we that We did not discuss that I think we're going to have to wait on that one But Can you quickly let the people know What that was all about Because that got me mad Oh it got you mad But that's because you like living lies So What we did was I took I made a master list Of about 60 of the best R&B albums Of the 2000s and by 2000s, I mean 2000 to 2009. So anything after 2010, y'all didn't get counted. Do that a couple of years from now. What could have, anyway, hold on. Before so I took a master list. Can I just list? cut you off really quickly? What could have possibly have made the list after 2009 onto your current, on that list you made? Um, probably a couple of my Gale albums. Maybe. Hmm. That's it. Interesting. Anyway, so I took a look at that. We went through, narrowed it down to 30 albums. It was very, it took me probably like almost a month to get this together because we kind of, I know a lot of people from my generation love to crap on the 2000s and harp on the 90s. There was some great stuff, especially the first half of the 2000s. So it was some regretful cuts, some tight listings, and I got together a list that kind of influenced not only influence, but impact and quality of the album and legacy. So that is what determined the top 30 list. So we will go through that next podcast because I'm sure Kyle was very insulted when he saw Noah Shanti on the list. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so I promise we'll get to that next time around, but if you want to catch up and take a look at that list, you can find it on SoInStereo.com. Tom, what's going on with You Know I Got So? Apparently we got hacked earlier in the week. We got, what? that's how you know we made it. We did get hacked. We got a resolve, though. We had to call GoDaddy and uh, fork over some money, but yeah, we did. So, Was it some ransomware? Because I heard that is going around heavy, and no, I'm paranoid. I think it was a, a stand of, a, I don't know, the Beehive or one of those. Things that we did from time to time from just, yeah, finally got cracked the code and got through to us. So, I don't know. But we're back. We're back. <laughs> Other than that, we did those few interviews that you mentioned earlier. And uh, we got the Brian McKnight streaming link if you want to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of things going on. Next week, I believe, I think I'm going to be interviewing Tone Stiff. I'm going to be yes. possibly interviewing August Alsina to find out if he's actually R&B. Because we've, <laughs> we've confirmed yep. Bryson Tiller is not R&B, but August Alsina is 50-50 right now. So we'll see which way the seesaw uh, leans to. And, um, yeah, that seems to be it for You Know I Got. So, so... Now that this is all over, you guys can stop complaining and finally listen to our podcast. We, I promise you we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, this is Kyle. I'm a Pisces, and I know what girls need. Oh, oh my goodness. God. Come on, you guys. We don't need you. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys really aren't going to do it?
No, I'm not going to do it. I'm a, I'm a happily married man. We're married so men he. over here. Oh, okay. Well, excuse me while I wear my wife beater and I'm, you know, in the music video with fans blowing oh. everywhere. I'm just kidding. Anyways, I should probably get out of this before we get in trouble. So this is Kyle, Tom, and Ed Please do. Out. Peace. Peace. All right.